Everyone, welcome back to another episode of Two Brothers, One Mike, Season 5, Episode 9. And today we have with us Dr. Nicole Rentilla. No, that is not just a crazy cat, cat woman, a uh, woman who's just living at home with her cats only. In fact, despite uh, what you may see on camera, Dr. Nicole, I think we have a congratulations to send your way on a uh, recent engagement. Thank you. Absolutely. That was an interesting lead in, but go ahead. Well, that was yeah, the, we were deciding, should we leave the cat in while we're, while we're doing the intro? And I'm sitting there thinking, you know what? I, I could probably make the relation between cat ladies and okay. Anyways, let's move on. Today's episode. Today's episode. Yeah. So we do, we do have a, uh, a congratulations in order here for, uh, Dr. Nicole Rentilla and her fiance, Jeremy. Congratulations. When is the big day? We are getting married July 8th, which is the two-year anniversary of our first date. Wow. Uh, I know. Oh, so you guys have been dating for quite some time now. Um, it wasn't just like an engagement and then uh, the wedding was planned. Usually, 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 and this is, listen, ladies, don't, don't jump me here, ladies. Usually there's a year where there's so much planning going on. Um, and, and gentlemen out there. If you've ever been married, uh, you know this already. If you have not, stay out of the planning and just support. Just be the support. Don't don't try to make the plans. You're getting yourself in a lot of hot water, if you ask me. <laughs> well, I am lucky. Jelly and I have been together a year and a half. We got engaged. Um, I think he had this big plan that Ohio State would win against Michigan, and then he would propose, and then Ohio State had other ideas. Um, so Jeremy said that that's how he celebrates the day by proposing. And so that's how we got engaged. And honestly, we just kind of know what we wanted. Um, there's different things I want to do. I want to get married. We're getting married in my father's backyard, um, in my mom's garden. That way she'll be a part of it. And we just wanted a fun party after. And I have to say, Jeremy is an excellent planner. He's done so much stuff. And he's really involved. It's been super fun to start a planet. So we're just enjoying it. That's good. That's good. Many kudos to him. I'd say, and um, I got to give him. I got to give him props for for his courage too. Uh, yeah, no, you know what? It was it was. I actually was very instrumental in planning a lot of stuff for our wedding. Um, I was told no to pretty much everything, not by my wife, but by other powers <laughs> to be. Only for everything to turn out exactly what I wanted in the first place, but it couldn't be my idea apparently. And, and that was fine. I that was totally fine, but it yeah. still happened. But yeah, like I said, I definitely give him uh, props for, for his courage. Yeah. He's really awesome. And he has like, we have lots of fun ideas together and mom, his parents and my dad and stepmom have been really awesome. They just did us an engagement party this weekend, but all of our friends. So we're just honestly really enjoying it and having a blast. I, I, uh, I see a podcast in Jeremy's future that he can actually, uh, Maybe start up uh, the wedding planner, uh, where he can teach men how to plan weddings properly uh, in in the near future. Uh, hey, I'm a, I'm a I'm a thinker. I'm an idea. You know, I'm an idea guy. Yeah, and he does great help. He has his Ohio State notebook he carries around, and that's where he has all his ideas and stuff down. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. You you did lose me for a minute. I had to go back to the morning that I was in between. And I don't mean early morning. I mean morning. I mean sadness uh, when it comes to um, that game, and then the game that followed that game. It has been an emotional roller off for me. Yeah. So um, the January first, and if you guys remember, they're like uh, lining up to kick off in the town down, and then I'm waiting to like. And he missed it, and Jerry collapsed on the bar and was not ready for hugs or they would for just a little evening moment. Yeah, yeah, I just feel bad because we'll never really know what happened to Jeremy just now. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. The internet, the internet is just, and she's frozen. Oh, oh, there she is. She's back, and she's back. <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah, it was, it was almost like for our listeners and viewers, uh, Dr. Nicole Rentilla in slow motion. Um, and, and if I, I said we could have a contest, uh, if anybody could figure out what Dr. Nicole said, a free two brothers, one Mike t-shirt, 
which we don't have yet in our apparel <laughs> line, but you'll be the first to get one for sure. But yeah, so maybe just real quick again, what had happened there uh, so that I can no, read I the whole thing myself. Okay, so Jeremy's birthday is January 1st, and so it's done to count down, and I would say happy, you know, happy birthday instead of happy new year. And as you know, they were lining up the kicker. Everyone behind us, and there's a Marvel room in Cleveland, is like counting down, and Jeremy is glued to the TV, and I'm thinking, okay, this will be great. So get the field goal, happy birthday, and they missed, and he kind of collapsed on the bar and was not ready for birthday wishes for a few moments. Yeah, I, I collapsed myself uh, at the same time in the middle of the living room. Uh, it, let's move on. <laughs> I think yeah. Jeremy wants us to move on. I think we all want to move on. I we think all the, want to move on. We'll, I'll offer a therapy support group or something if we need. That would probably be a good idea. Oh. Uh, yeah, and, and but the, the gist of it all is a big congratulations from Two Brothers yeah, from Lake uh, on Dr. Nicole Rotella and her fiance Jeremy's engagement. And soon to be wedding this July. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Another thing we always like to do with our show is give you the opportunity to maybe touch on your foundation. Um, and that's something that we always put, Joe always puts in the beginning of the, or not in the beginning, but in the description of the podcast. Uh, so people can click on it, learn more about it, and maybe even possibly whether they learn more about it or whether they learn and donate to what the what the um, foundation is all about. Maybe you could just tell everybody again the name of the foundation and basically what it's all about. Yeah, so I founded the Rantella Scholarship Foundation last year. It was a long-standing dream of mine as a way to honor my late mother and late sister. Um, at Girard High School last May, we gave the first scholarship. And this year, um, we are in the works to give another one, of course, at Girard. I want to establish one at Sharon High School in my mom's memory. And at Liberty High School, in honor of my dad, and that's the one that, if you've listened before, that's our skilled trade scholarship um, that Tim Nash donated to and created. And so we have a Facebook page. You can find us on there. All of our information is there. We'll lead you directly to the website. Um, the purpose of it is to really support and encourage students who are going to college, to going to trade school. Um, going for any kind of advanced training so that they can help achieve their dreams. And stay tuned. I'll keep you guys posted. We have a fundraiser that we're kind of planning. I'm planning a yoga fundraiser where I teach yoga and we have some donations and baskets for in the spring. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely let us know so that we can promote that and talk to people about that as well. And that, that's in, that's this spring coming up, I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, and again, folks, if you want to know more about uh, this particular foundation and you could only not only can you listen to uh, previous shows that we've done with Dr. Nicole Rantilla, but um, you can click on the link that Joe's going to provide in the description of this podcast, uh, this particular episode and uh, learn all about that. It's a fantastic foundation. And so please, by all means, learn more about it. We talk about today's show. I guess this is a 180. You could you could say uh, going from what it's we were. It's a 180. It's a one. It's a 180. Now, uh, to to bring to bring our listeners and our viewers up to date, at the end of the last episode that we did with Dr. Nicole, which was about we were speaking about um, uh, eating disorders, and there's so many different types of eating disorders and and how that affects people and. We defined them. We talked about some numbers. We talked about ways to help people understand what it is they're going through, how people who have loved ones going through it, how they should approach them, um, how someone with your expertise approaches these people, and what it is we can do to help fix what, what is truly a, a large problem in this country and we are around the world, actually. Um, when we finished that show... We always have conversation after we go off the air. And so Joe, myself, and and Dr. Nicole were having a conversation about upcoming shows, shows we could branch off of with the eating disorders. And then somehow this show came up and we all agreed that this show had to be done. And I think a lot of people today are going to say this, how in the world does this show today have anything to do with being the best you? with exercise, with nutrition, 
And I think what people need to understand with, with two brothers of a mic, this is not just about bicep curls and intermittent fasting. Uh, it's not just about understanding the, the mindset you have to have for a 45-minute run. Um, this is also about the brain and how it works and how it affects us because it's not just about physical exercise. It's about mental exercise as well. And I think when it comes to today's show, and obviously anybody who looked at the title before they clicked on it knows what we're going to talk about. When it comes to today's show, it's, it's about the mind and what is it that fixates us on such heinous acts, uh, if, if, if that's even uh, a description of what we're going to talk about today. But it's, it's the bizarre ritual that we are fixated on, it's ordinary people doing horrible things. And I think it, it, you know, when it comes to today's show, which everybody knows, is when we talk about serial killers and what is our fascination with that, it's not necessarily admiration, I don't think, Dr. Rentella. Um, what it, in your opinion, what what might it be? It's I, I don't think it's admiration. Maybe for some people it is. But what is it that the, that fixation, and maybe this is a question that has so many different answers, but what is it that fixates us on this particular this situation with people, ordinary people, that a lot of times you would never think could could do such a thing, but yet here they are committing so many uh, – and when we talk about we talk about serial killers, by the way, folks, there's a difference between mass killings and serial killings. So a serial killer is somebody, from what my understanding is from my research, who commits three or more murders in different time spans, not uh, three at the same time. That would be a mass killing, uh, but over a certain time period at different time periods, if that makes sense. Uh, I think one of the biggest ways to describe it, to help us understand, it's curiosity, maybe a morbid curiosity. Um, I think that, and I think there's a lot of reasons why it's it's a big deal now. Um, you know, the internet and streaming devices, um, our Netflix, Hulu, HBO Max, it makes it more accessible. So we just are really curious and. You know, it's basic supply and demand economy. If people want to watch it, the producers are going to make it. I, I think I think the binge watching ability that we have now, like you're like you're talking about Netflix yeah. and, and, and Hulu and YouTube, uh, anywhere where you can binge watch anything, um, mm-hmm. it's become a fascination. And so when you have something of this nature that we glue yeah. ourselves to because we're so fascinated by the mindset of how someone can do something, uh, commit such heinous acts. I think that is a huge part of it uh, as far as as far as far part of our fixation on right. these individuals. It's how the information is delivered, and it's delivered in a way that makes you want to go after it, that you can watch these whole things. I mean, you know, we've been around enough to remember. I remember when Netflix came out and I, I was thinking, I don't understand. You're going to give me all the episodes at once. And now we don't know any other way. That's, that's all we know. And it's the curiosity. And what sparks curiosity? It's things that are different, things that are unique. You're not, you're not likely to ever meet a serial killer, um, you know, and, and luckily, Hopefully, you know, none of us are ever going to fall prey to them. But it's so different that it sparks that morbid curiosity. And uh, I, I would say it's here's a, it, these, these, these are interesting facts that I did some diving into with research. America holds approximately 5% of the world population. I believe we're somewhere around 333 million, maybe 335 million. Uh, I may be off uh, somewhere, but 5% of the world's population and the numbers that I've seen on different data, we hold approximately 67% of the documented serial killers Mm -hmm. in these borders. Um, And that to me, 
what I, I always wonder what is the reason for that? If we have five percent of the population, but sixty-seven percent of the world population in terms of documented serial killers belongs to the United States of America, what would be what would be a reason for that? In I mean, in your professional opinion, what might be a reason for that? So I had some thoughts on this, and then I did do some research on it because I was really curious. And so there's a lot of researchers posit several reasons for this. Um, one being that we have one of the, even though um, we're not like the largest country, we have one, a country that has one of the highest population densities. We have a lot of large cities. If you think of, say, like Spain, you might think of Ibiza or Barcelona, and I challenge anyone to think of another big city. Um, partly also because Lynette is familiar with it, right? Um, France, you have like maybe Normandy, Versailles. But if, if you think, if you ask people about the U.S., we have many more dense, densely populated cities. So that was posited to be a factor. Um, we're the fourth largest country in the world, so you're going to have some just by sheer size. Um, another thing is that more, um, I was reading about, um, our country is more open, has more open police reporting procedures to the media. I was interested in that. And so I dug out a leaper, but Russia doesn't report crimes when they're linked together. So they don't keep a statistic on, um, acts that one single perpetrator did. And then I also looked up and it said China doesn't report statistics on mass murders or things like that. So that's, that's very interesting. I know. So that's a big thing too. Sometimes the statistics just aren't reported in a way that we report them here. Um, so the U.S. has, and this is also like um, Freedom of Information Act, things like that, where I mean, think about it. The public is entitled to have court documents, court transcripts, police reports. Not every country does that, and not every country compiles statistics the way that we do. Um, another factor listed was that the U.S. has a larger transient and moving population um, where people move around the country more often, which also can mean that people aren't paying attention. Um, you know, like somebody called it one person called it the society of strangers that you know there you can find anonymity here pretty easily um another researcher an anthropologist talked about cultural values kind of like it's all about me that our, our culture has a more individualistic kind of value ingrained in it than other po populations that are more generative and family kind of family focused um they kind of talked about how um, with Bundy, he had motive that was all about me. Somebody broke up with me. Um, you know, Joe Franklin, who committed a bunch of race, who was, his were racially motivated to kill uh -huh. people of different races. So it's kind of like, I don't like what you're doing, or I was wrong, so I'm going to do something. Um, you know, some other things that have been, like, some of my theories were, um, there are other countries, if you think of Finland, Actually, all the Scandinavian countries, um, the, you know, Western European nations, they have more involved health care, um, mental health care, where it starts earlier and it's just part of the kind of like everybody goes to groups and everybody goes to therapy. Um, and other countries have left access to some lethal weaponry. So not to be political, but those are some of the reasons that some sure. people posit that if you do a survey of who has a gun in England, like nobody, people just commonly carry guns. So that's kind of what I found. And that's, that's a ton of information. And, um, and what I'm happy about is it's not information that I found. So there's even more to add. Uh, I want to add to you, you mentioned Ted Bundy and I want to add something about him yeah. that may carry over to these other people. Um, you, you named Franklin, um, obviously there's going to be somebody we're going to talk about here in a little bit that everybody knows about, especially thanks to Netflix. Um, yeah. but Ted Bundy, this was very interesting when I, when I looked at this, he committed, I believe documented thir uh, 30, 30 murders that they have documented, maybe more. And he was basically 
for all of our listeners and viewers, he was basically the first uh, murderer that the, the the court hearing was televised. Everything was televised. He did all this in the 60s and the 70s. And it, way before the O.J. Simpson murder trials uh, in the early 90s, 1994, I believe, uh, way before that was Ted Bundy. And in those 30 crimes that he committed, they the the thing that many talked about was he was very charismatic. He was very intelligent. He was very trustworthy. And one of the biggest problems was that it taught, not problems, but what this did teach us is it taught us how not to just accept somebody just because they're a good-looking person, because they're charismatic, because they're intelligent. It had everybody put up their guard now because they thought, this is your ordinary, everyday guy who, um, you know, behind our backs, so to speak, committed so many heinous acts of crime. And he was so charismatic, and I found this to be bizarre. I watched one of the court hearings with the judge who was overseeing, presiding over the trial. And when he finally handed him down his sentence of execution, the judge looked at him and said, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, you can look this up, everybody, if you, if you want to look it up on YouTube and watch the video. He basically said to him that he found him to be uh, an intriguing human being, very charismatic. He thought of him as somebody who could have done litigation, somebody who could have been an attorney and would have loved to have seen that. However, Mr. Bundy chose a different walk in life, unfortunately. And he said to him, I have no grudge. I do not begrudge you. I have nothing against you. I wish you the best. That kind of took me by surprise that the, the judge was saying this to a person who committed at least 30 documented murders uh, and was doing it purposely. It was it was his choice to do so um, for his own reasons. And so uh, I think that maybe that might be something that uh, when we add to when we add to why do people watch because we have our guard up and we're trying to find what is the dangers so that we can protect ourselves in our own right. And, our, and, and I don't know if that makes any sense or not. So that makes huge sense. And some of the research actually says that is that. So basically, and I don't mean to get into head, but especially with women, so 70% of, of victims of serial killers are women. So there is this, you know, kind of theory. And I think we can even like, we can speak to it that, it's not only just a curiosity, but it's a kind of, you know, we're learning something and we're learning, um, you know, what to avoid, what to look out for. And I know it might be extreme, but still, I think there's that feeling of fight or flight and, and how do I protect myself in the most dangerous of circumstances? And, you know, we talked about narcissism before. And I think with more attention being paid to what narcissism is, we know that narcissists come across as incredibly charming and charismatic and they're the people sometimes you want to be around. Um, but again, sometimes the facade wears off and you're left scratching your head. And so in terms of personality disorders and the diagnostic manual, psychiatric disorders, um, those, that cluster of, of disorders, antisocial and narcissism are very closely related. Very, and it's it, some of the same research that I was actually looking at, and so it's it's always it's always nice when somebody who has your professional background. Uh, it's I think a lot of people want to hear from a clinical psychologist or from a sociologist who studies you know these types of behaviors and how the human brain works. And so me just looking at it on Google or looking through certain documents, uh, it's always nice to get that confirmation um, from somebody of your of your status. It's it's when you were talking, it's the same stuff that I actually seen uh, yeah. when I was looking. And, and it's very interesting when when it comes to it. They they do say women tend to to be I hate when they use the word fixated. Uh, but they, there's a fixation and for those very reasons, because 
women tend to also have a a better understanding of fight or flight. Um, they sense danger quicker than men do. Uh, is that true or false? I've I've read about this before. Do women sense danger quicker than men do? So that's broadly true, um, and it's it's largely due to socialization factors. Um, and this is you know obviously no disrespect to men because both men are great and safe, but um, we have to be honest. I mean, women more likely have to kind of watch their back if they're alone at the park at a parking lot. Um, you know, it's running season for me again, and I can't go to the park before or after dark. I have to be in my neighborhood with my flashing lights on my arm. Um, there's just certain social factors. I'm sure you guys have heard of the thing where the college professor asked women what they do to stay safe, and he filled up the entire chalkboard. Then he erased it and said, men, what do you do to be safe? And they said, well, nothing, we just go to our cars. And so we have that factor. And I'm not saying that men are not um, perpetrated against. I'm not saying that. I'm just, I'm just speaking to statistics. Um, so that fight or flight is something that we kind of learn. I mean, how many times do I see a post go around on Facebook saying, ladies, it's Christmas. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there and, be careful, have your keys and you're walking to your car after you're shopping. I see a lot of those and it, you know, breaks my heart, but it's also a, a reality. Um, so there is that fight or flight that kind of socialized because again, 70 minimum, 70% of victims of assault, um, are women. And that's uh, yeah, very. And I think there's a lot of, of the women that listen to two brothers, one Mike that are nodding in agreement right now. And a lot of the men that probably nodding as well, because we don't think about it as much as women do. Um, yeah. And, and, and ladies and gentlemen, we're going to uh, hear from our first sponsor, uh, an ad here. And when we come back, Joe is going to have a question for Dr. Nicole. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Two Brothers, One Mike is sponsored by Kitchen Apps, perfectly prepared portions. Hey, Youngstown area listeners, it's Joe from T-Bomb. Do you find yourself dreading all of the specifics when it comes to prepping your meals for the week? I mean, calculating calories and macros can be such a pain, which for many of us can result in losing our momentum when we're starting a new eating lifestyle. Now, I know for me, I was constantly figuring out which foods to eat so I wouldn't only stay under calories but also maintain my macros. What's more is I hated the idea of eating the same thing every day simply because I finally came up with that perfect combination. But then I found Kitchen Apps. Founded in 2015 by Tom Kitchenabs, their mission is simple. They created a personalized selection of flavorful gourmet meals that are perfectly portioned and nutritionally balanced to fit their clients' lifestyles, as well as their physical needs, all for a very affordable price. You receive three meals plus two snacks for five days, so your whole work week is completely taken care of. And yes, there are options to add or subtract meals as you need them for the weekends too. So for more information or to place your order, go to kitchenabs.com. That's kitchenabz.com and get started today. Welcome back, everybody. So Joe has a ton of things to say. We, Dr. Nicole and I just completely ignored him the entire first segment there. Um, but but I know, Joe, you do want to talk a little bit about that that Netflix series and a couple questions for Dr. Nicole. And there's a few other things you wanted to add. So the floor is yours. Yeah. So uh, let's see. First of all, I think, and and I just to elaborate a little bit more on the difference between like mass murder and serial killers. Um, one of the things that that I've kind of picked up on that I've observed, and it's probably just holding true amongst most most of them, they're very ritualistic. Um, there's usually a certain order that certain things are done. And it's usually for an underlying reason, a much deeper reason uh, that they do it. And a prime example, uh, again, and in, in we're going to talk about this, we're reluding to, to Netflix. We're probably talking about the Dahmer se series. We are. A lot of things that he did repeatedly with each of his victims. And there was a reason for that. Uh, you know, I don't know how accurate the series was. I venture to say that they were more accurate than, I I'll tell you what, there was stuff I learned. Um, but you know, there were some artistic views taken as well. Um, that said, though, even beyond that, one of the reasons why I think we're so enthralled with serial killers in the first place, it's not just, of course, there's that, like you were saying, that 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 curiosity, but also it's kind of this, 
we want this sense of some sort of sense of control. We have to make some kind of, we tried to make some sort of sense of what happened because our brains can't, we can't connect with what they did. And if we can somehow figure it out, we can control it so it doesn't happen again. But that's all just a big figment of our imagination. We like to think that way. And then, you know, after Dahmer, I'm certain there was another serial killer, uh, you know, that that maybe just wasn't as, as publicized as he was. Um, that being said, uh, uh, going back to the Netflix thing, one of the things that they do too, they used Evan Peterson as the... Uh, the gentleman who played Dahmer, right? So now you have an actor from American Horror Story uh, who's in, you know, tons of the of the seasons. One of my favorite actors, okay? And so naturally, Evan Peterson's in that, so you're going to want to watch it. I wonder how he could play somebody like that. And then right. remember some of his characters from American Horror Story, and you know he can play that, that part, but you want to see how well. Uh, they kind of, and then they offer you Dahmer's perspective, right? And there's that idea again that you could kind of get in his head and figure out what it was that he was thinking so that you can get that sense of control. Um, we were talking about the, um, I'm trying to see what else we had there. Okay, yeah. Uh, we were talking about the lack of reporting in other countries. And I think a lot of that too is they have a, I mean, this is this goes either way, okay, and I, I understand that. But I, I think there's a fear of essential essential. Sense what's the word I'm looking for? Sensationalizing, sensationalizing what happened, um, and preventing copycat murders as well. Uh, and and that might be what they're saying or why they're saying it. Maybe that's not really the reason. Uh, but at the same time, I know here um, we have a school shooting problem. Uh, kids only know one thing that they'll get their 15 minutes of fame, and they see it. And you know, there's a lot of that that happens. I know that's not the intention. I'm not saying that. But it is what happens. To what degree it's based solely on that, I don't know. Again, I think that's why they they probably don't report those numbers out to the public. One of the reasons, anyways, I would think. That's a good point. I think our our culture, and I don't know where it comes from, from the justice system and things like that, is you know the FOIA, Freedom of Information Act, and the public will say, "I have a right to know." And I remember once right. posting, you know. Let's take a break from all the coverage. It was one of the school shootings and someone said, but we have a right to know what's happening. And so it is a tough balance of how do we balance your right to be informed with not glorifying it? And I think, I think the answer that a lot of people say is, well, you can turn off the TV. You can turn off Facebook. You can turn off the news. Um, and I, I think that's kind of where our country seems to have landed on that. We're going to have some things to talk about with that too, especially with the whole Facebook yeah. issue, because there's a lot to say there that's going to be it, our next you episode, can, I believe, right? You, you can, yeah. yeah, it is our next episode. And we'll, we'll talk about that, obviously, at the end yeah. of this show. But um, it, it is what people say. Well, you don't have to listen. I mean, we've, we've actually said a joke where we sure. say to people, sure. if you don't like what we're talking about on our podcast, you don't have to, you don't have to listen. Uh, but when it's uh, something, um, that is so magnified and in something like this, we've already listed in this episode right here. Uh, all of us have so many different reasons why people are watching. You know, right. I, I was, I saw a documentary uh, not that long ago and there were a couple of sociologists, they were all on stage and they were talking about us uh, ancestral times, hunters and gatherers and what we do, our human, it's human nature. It's human nature to see a problem and 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 want to know why that problem is happening and how to protect ourselves from that problem. So in so many different ways, although yes, we've we've evolved over time, right? Uh, mentally, physically, but nonetheless, human nature is human nature. And I and I really listened the one gentleman, I wish I could remember his name, the one sociologist, and he was saying it doesn't matter how much we've evolved. That is one aspect of our mindset that is never going to go away. It's like seeing a train wreck and you can't turn away from it. It's right. just part of our human nature, so to speak. Right. And I think the curiosity isn't all always morbid. I mean, as a psychologist, my job, my forte is to look at human behavior to figure out why. You know, I met a new client today who 
is just so angry and I want to know why. Um, that's important to me because if we don't figure out why, um, it'll keep happening. So with these, there's, you know, I've watched Dateline for years. My sister and I used to always watch it every Friday. And it was just so curious to me that it starts out with how could someone do that? And then you look for insight. And then it becomes, you know, somewhat of a discussion. You know, my, my good Megan and I, we will listen to podcasts and then we'll come in and we'll talk about it. And some of the ones that maybe aren't as clear cut, whether it's, um, they're not serial killers, but like Brian Laundry or um, Lacey Peterson, you know, talking about what really happened. And we'll never know. And that's, I think that's part of what drives that discussion is that then there's so many theories that can arise. And so it's an interesting thing that people want to discuss because I think we are driven to understand human behavior. Uh, when you mentioned people like Lacey Peterson, uh, yeah. OJ, OJ Simpson. Um, That's another one. Yeah, and, and, and so many others. We don't consider them serial killers, but when right. we talk about true crime, how many shows out there, there's, there's a detective, his name is Joe Kenda. Uh, he has a show on Hulu. I watch every episode. It's fascinating to me. He's a retired detective that solved over 300 cases of murder back in the, I believe, 60s and 70s. And they do a reenactment when he was younger. And how the forensics behind it, it's so fascinating to me how he was able to solve all these murders. And and so there's there's that as well. It's this fascination with the amazement behind the science behind people's ability to to solve these true crimes um as well as those who are committing them and us trying to figure out these ordinary everyday people what is going through their head when they commit these these acts so i mean and so it's not so folks when we talk about serial killers that's the topic of today's show and and what is our fascination with them it's not just that it's true crime in general uh, and how we are so fixated on that and all the different avenues that are given to us from Netflix to Hulu to YouTube to all the documentaries to the Jeffrey Dahmer series. Um, and, and here's one for you, Joe. I think we got into the wrong genre here on Two Brothers, One Mike. Obviously, I joke. Uh, this is exactly what we wanted to do. Um, Apple Podcasts, says they report um, you know, different data, different, you know, different actual data on a, on a regular basis and Apple podcasts, um, true crime podcasts are the number one genre uh, of all podcasts. And if I'm not mistaken, the number was approximately 5 million hits, 5 million downloads sometimes in one week. And, and and that, to me, is just an insane number for one topic. I could see 5 million downloads for all podcasts, uh, but 5 million just for true crime podcasts on Apple Podcasts. So we're given the opportunity to be able to retrieve all this information in real time. And I think that also plays a big role now as far as our fascination with it. There's, yeah, so, much think, there's so much accessibility. Yeah, uh, you know, and, uh, this episode itself I is actually already been titled. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tony, I kind of took the liberties of doing this. Uh, in our previous episodes that people will see, they're going to see that the title of it is Preventing Dahmer with Dr. Nicole Rotilla. You didn't check in with me on this? <laughs> sorry about that. But, you know, and, and the reason was being, if you remember, Doc, when we first brought up this idea, I was thinking we were going to talk more about him in the series and what have you because right. my actual question i never really got around to it was this do you think i mean w w based upon the series okay because we again i don't know how accurate you know what they were showing is uh where the artistic liberties were, were taken or, or what have you but do you think based upon what what we saw there within the netflix series if you have a child who is displaying the same behaviors this day and age here, 2023, would there be more, were, were the red flags around back then? Did we, did we come a long way since then? Would this, in other words, would we actually be able to prevent, is it plausible that we could have prevented or could prevent 
that from of ever happening in the first place, knowing that the separation anxiety and and uh, uh, God, who knows? And and we're led to believe that there was some pre-existing condition. Anyways, we don't know the gen, uh, the genetics that were passed down from mom who attempted to take her life numerous times. So there's some genetic factors there. Uh, you know, it, it seems like it was just like the perfect storm to make the perfect storm because oh, okay. yes, he eventually got caught. However, so do you think if, if we saw him today, if he walked in your office mm-hmm. as eight year old Jeffrey, <laughs> do you think that this is something that I'm not saying you specifically, but you know, generally speaking, uh, do you think that this is something that this day and age in our modern day medicine, we would be able to prevent. Okay. It is highly more likely today than when it happened. So that's my answer in a nutshell. Um, A little side note there. She, she keeps meowing. Sorry guys. Um, People in this country, and this is an issue and like that I get concerned about is they think that, only mentally ill people or serial killers are murderers, mass murderers. And it's a delicate thing because clearly there's something wrong if that's what you choose to do. Okay. Call it mentally ill. But what happens is the point that I'm making is people, when they think of mentally ill, they picture someone with schizophrenia, with hallucinations, who is not in touch with reality. And by and large, people with schizophrenic disorder are very safe. They rarely harm anybody because they don't want to be around people because it's too overwhelming. So the mental illness we're talking about that is underneath like Jeffrey Dahmer and, you know, Ted Bundy, that's different than what people actually picture, right? People that I see on a daily basis, anxiety and depression, they are not homicidal. We're talking about character disturbance that is typically caused by early trauma. And the earlier the trauma, the more, like, picture you start out your life and you have an army of self-defense, you know, mechanisms around you, but you have a trauma. So from early on, you're wiping out your soldiers and your army, right? And without help, you don't get those soldiers back. So these are people who are starting off life already just, like, just behind everybody else with coping skills. And so they kind of move forward with these traumas and back in say Dahmer's time, it was people didn't talk about mental health. People talk about it now. When I go to Starbucks or Target and I see a client, it's not, it's, oh my God, it's not in a call. Like you should see kids run up to me, like things like that. I once, just as a side note, I once had a kid take a stack of my business cards from my office and pass them out on the playground and say, she'll really help you. She helps me. That's kind of the culture we're breeding now. And then it was, you didn't talk about it. You didn't go. And now if we look at Jeffrey Dahmer, we see his isolation. We see early trauma. We see family history. We see harm to animals, um, things like that. And those things this day and age are much more likely to be caught by a mental health professional. And when I think about like serial killers and even, you know, like mass murderers, there are things that have gone wrong there where you always interview them that, you know, interview their friends and they're like, he seems like such a nice guy. Well, again, look at Ted Bundy. So you really have to have, honestly, what does it come down to? Whether it's a teacher, a parent, an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent who sees this, something needs supported here. And so... We can hope that if Dahmer were, if that were now, that there would have been more red flags spotted sooner. Um, but again, it's still, I still think it kind of takes a village too. It takes someone to say, you're not doing okay and we got to help you. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I thought I was hitting my mic. I wasn't hitting my mic. Now I'm hitting my mic. Joe has me on this new thing, ladies and gentlemen, where I uh, am... This is, this is what, what do we call this? A test run. It's an actual show, but it's a test run all at the same time. Something as simple as the space bar, Joe, I'm having a hard time with. Um, I'll get through it. I'll get through it. Um, it, it. What Dr. Nicole just said, let's hang on to that. When we come back, 
Anything else you guys want to add to what Dr. Nicole just said? Let's do that. And then I have one more question in the last segment of today's show for both of you. And I want to see how you guys answer that. Don't go anywhere, everyone. Well, we'll be right back. Two Brothers, One Mike is sponsored by YSN, your sports network. Loyal, local, live. Hey, everyone. It's Joe from Two Brothers, One Mike. For all of our sports enthusiasts out there from the Northeast Ohio and Western Pennsylvania area with busy schedules, we know you can't always make it to the big game. Well, we have some great news for you. Now is your chance to listen or watch your favorite high school teams compete on the YSN Network. Covering multiple sports from more than 50 area high schools, as well as Youngstown State University Baseball and the Mahoney Valley Scrappers, and so much more. What's that? No longer live in the Northeastern Ohio or Western Pennsylvania area? No problem. You can go to YSNlive.com on any browser or download the YSN Live app available on both the App Store and Google Play. So you can listen wherever you'd like to start your sports binge and streaming experiences today. Now back to our podcast. Welcome back, everybody. So in ending today's show, I, I always and, and I always say this too. every show when I say ending, that means that this can go on for another 15 or 20 minutes. But it's the last segment of today's show. We've uh, touched on so many different things in terms of our fixation uh, with with serial killers, not mass killers, but serial killers. And then we even touched on the fact that of our, our, you know, we have a fascination in this country with true crime in general uh, and, and so many different reasons why and and how we are able to access so many different, you know, documentaries and, and all, all the information that is out there about these individuals. And I have a question, but before I, before I ask the question, is there anything else, Joe, that you wanted to add or are you just ready for the question? You know, no, just one more thing, just to piggyback off of everything that we were talking about with with Dahmer, and uh, this is something that I kind of observed again based upon the series. Again, I, I don't know the uh, the accuracy, the percentage of uh, of accurate information there, but based on what I saw there, one of the things that that kind of I don't know was a bit unsettling. Beside, you know, the severing of bodies and <laughs> and everything else that he did uh was just the the it really seemed to me that because there was a period of time where he didn't kill he didn't want to kill he knew it was wrong he knew it was wrong he still okay and uh, uh it, it resulted in the end of him actually killing somebody who he had a relationship with um because he didn't want him to ever leave it was one of those things again um, but aside from that, you have to really question where he lived, who his victims were and why. And it almost seemed very, he was very opportunistic. Like he knew who was not going to be missed. The people that he was going after were uh, minority gay men, right. homosexual men. Right. And at that day and age, it isn't today, you were coming out of the closet back then because of hate crimes. All right. Yeah. Uh, you, you would get gay bash, bashed and that would be that. But now- um, or back then, nobody, nobody, nobody was looking for them. Everybody was, you know, and, and he knew that you can't help but to feel like he knew that um, just because of who all of his victims were. They all fell in this in this in this kind of category. Uh, and so there's that. So you have to wonder, it goes right off of what you were saying. People think mentally ill. But but at the same time, you know, this is somebody who learned how. Uh, I still say it's 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 my opinion, okay, that he learned how to manipulate the whole system and 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 did just that. I mean, to a point where Tony, there was uh, you did you see the series? I have not watched the series as a whole yet. I've seen bits and pieces of it. Uh, I plan on it because of there have talked about today. There were um, a few opportunities where things could have ended right now, right now, and. Um, uh, it, they they even have the the dispatcher calls at the end of the show of that show oh, it, to show you to show you how many balls were dropped. Uh, one it, it, one dealing with a fourteen year old boy, and you'll see what that's all about. Now I don't want to spoil it for you, but yeah. uh, it, it's just unreal. Well, when you see it now, you're going to know that it doesn't end well. But the fact is, I mean, there were just so many times that he had people so snowed the entire time, and he knew what he was doing. So yeah. the being able to manipulate the way that he did, you know, somebody who's sick, schiz, like you said, schizophrenic, or they're just completely 
they're not, that's somebody who, who is not capable of, of stopping for a period of time. That's not somebody who's able to right. connive or manipulate or they just do it because they do it. It's impulse behavior. This is somebody who was able to sit back and think. And I think that takes it just a, one step further, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that's how I see it. An interesting fact is that if you look at, at um, Dahmer, there are, and you mentioned this before, like the ritualistic tendencies. And some of the things that, that are being researched and looked at is what part of the brain is there disruption? And um, are there under or overactive brain activity that caught, that kind of differs from like healthy brain functioning? And there is a link between obsessive obsessiveness and the ritualistic, and um, and in some cases there's some fetishization of it. That um, and that was true for Damo too. And so um, we know that people. This is research that people with certain fetishes, whether they're sexual or, or not, often the, the fetish implies there's a sexual undertone. They typically need to have things progress in the same way to get their desired desired outcome. And so there's that piece of it. And I think that was really the case for Dahmer, that there was a fetishization and a ritualization that he had to, everything down to where he went, how he chose his victim, where he brought them, what he did. And that was all part of the whole overwork for him. Yeah. Essentially, he stuck with what works. Yes. Yes. And, you know, again, and it's true and it was planned out and, you know, at the time he was choosing, he was, I mean, issues of his own closeted sexual identity, of course, you know, these were there too, that, um, you know, you know, could he have been openly gay in that time? Um, you know, there was definitely that secrecy and, you know, again, there's secrecy and, and murder too. So. It, it seems, and, and I, I want to go from Dahmer in his ritualizations and his fetishes and how he conducted his his acts of crime. Mm-hmm. You look at Dahmer, you look at Gacy, you look at um, Franklin, you look at uh, Bundy, and then you have somebody who completely went a different route, and that was Manson. Um, he didn't even actually commit, physically commit the crimes. He actually was able to from a psychological standpoint, manipulate, and I believe it was women that actually committed the crime, the acts of crime for him, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember how many women it was. I, I thought there were three or four uh, that actually carried out his doings and believed that what they were doing was for a specific reason. He had them actually yeah. believing this. And, and so do we, you know, everyone says he was psychotic. That's that's the first thing you hear. He was psychotic. Um, It's just it's so bizarre because the way he did the way it's like the way he handled his his the way he maneuvered through his process was completely different than the other ones that I named. It seemed like it was the same end result, but with a completely different maneuverability. Different means and. Yeah, like psychotic is interesting. It's kind of like when someone says, oh, I'm so OCD because they like their room neat. That's not clinically what OCD means. So the true definition of psychosis or being psychotic means that you are out of touch with reality, um, hallucinations, delusions, you know, um, hearing voices, seeing things. Like that's psychosis in, in the true clinical sense. Manson is antisocial and um, he is a, a psychopath, which means that um, no regard for humanity, no empathy for others, a complete disregard for social norms, unless it like serves his purpose. Um, and psychotic is, you know, that to the extreme of, you know, like completely out of touch with the norms of society and engaging in kind of whatever you want to do, that their behavior so defies norms. And again, what is so chilling about it is Manson was so charming to these people and charismatic. So then you have to also consider like what it is to be in a cult because he creates cult. There was a lot of drugs it, as well. There was a lot of drug um, involvement. Yeah. Well, and so, he used I mean, them to pacify and coerce people 
cut them off from their like look who if you look at who manson recruited it was runaways it was victims who who really felt like no one cared about them and he told them he cared about them and you know they wanted to please him that's a basic gang mentality that's Absolutely. that's exactly how gangs work and and yeah that's what he did and then and then he 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 created a need and then he gave them that you know he gave them the resources for that he was the puppet master and, and that was it. Of it and you know? and so that leads us to today's question for both of you so we talked about manson we talked about bundy we talked about gacy franklin dahmer we know all these people by name and there's so many more there's so many more as a matter of fact i think there are, in terms of documentation there's over 3,000 serial killers to date, uh, either that, you know, were just caught recently or obviously throughout the history of the United States. Over 3,000. I think there's an actual number they have documented. I want to say 3,024. I know I'm, I'm pretty close. We know all these names when we say them. Can either one of you name putting all of their victims together four people victims from all of these serial killers that is such a good question it really is i mean a man can kill sharon tate and because she was sailor we know her um and if this was right after i finished um Dahmer, i could but that's that's such a good question because there was a lot of actually criticism of Dahmer by the victim's families saying, why do we have to go through this again? And why do we have to focus on him and not the victim? And, and that's basically what my question, and, and, and for both of you and all of our listeners and viewers out there, it's not me saying that I know for, I don't. And, and I wonder, are we doing an injustice uh, as a society, not on purpose, not on purpose, yeah. because we've listed so many reasons today why as a human race, as a whole, as a country, if we're talking about America only right now, mm -hmm. um, you know, we could throw so many other, I mean, Jack the Ripper. Um, there's yeah. so many, there's so many, uh, but Jack the Ripper was, that was, that was London, if I'm not mistaken, correct? It was yeah. London and he, he targeted prostitutes. Oh, yes. And, and, and so we could, we could put him in there as well. And, but Again, it's always what always fascinates me is myself, everybody. We don't really talk as much about the victims, and sometimes I wonder to myself: Are we doing an injustice to them and to their families? Because it almost seems like are we glorifying the people who committed the heinous acts and not the people who suffered from the heinous acts? And I think that's something you know. In, in closing today, uh, that that we should all take a look at uh, sometimes and maybe every now and then take a look at the lives of the people that were taken too soon from us and, and just, you know, hopes and, and prayers. There's the, there's that thing, Joe, thoughts and prayers that we talk about thoughts and prayers that, I mean, but that we're just a, a, we're a better society as time goes on. And that at some point, well, you just wish that there was there was some way that this could come to a complete stop, but you really wonder, is it ever possible for us to have literally zero people in the society who are so ordinary every day, but yet, I don't mean just, the, if there's a cliche there, by night, um, they completely transform into this this monster that that nobody wants to deal with. So... That was just, a, I thought that was a, a question I wanted to ask, not just to you two today, but you had to listen to it because your your proximity to this speaker system. <laughs> uh, but yeah, to all the people listening to this show today, or, or as it's airing for the first time, uh, or if you're listening to this two years from now, as this will be on Two Brothers, One Mike's streaming podcast station from here until forever. Uh, so I think that's something that, that, we, that we need to, to uh, think about. Dr. Rotella, anything to add here to the end of today's show? No, I think that's a good point to end on because, you know, we have our fascination with all of this true crime. And at the end, there are families devastated forever and changed forever. Um, the two podcasts that I listened to um, 
than most are anatomy of murder and morbid. And what I like about those, and again, there's a million more, um, but what I like about those is they always take time to say, this is who we've lost and this is what he or she was about. And they say their names and they, if they can, they interview family members. And I think for me, I think what comes from that, you know, aside from, you know, all of the curiosity, how this, this killer's mind think is these underneath it all, their stories of, of resilience, which is something that's a huge interest of mine. Um, you know, my, we've all had tragedies in our lives. What helps us to move on? How do we keep someone? I mean, that's why I have my nonprofit is to keep somebody's legacy alive. And so um, to me, underneath that is all of these people, whether or not they want to be called victims or survivors, or they, they present they present stories of resilience. And I think that's, that's a, an important thing to remember. Yeah, and a very good point. Oh, go ahead, Joe. No, just say, I don't disagree with any of it. I think ultimately, though, it's easier to remember one name than 13. I think, you know what I mean? It's just a matter of numbers. It's easy for us to remember one name. 13 people that died, yeah. Yes, those are the names that should come out of it, and I agree wholeheartedly. We definitely should uh, do that. And one of the nice things that they did with the Dahmer se uh, series is they went in, in depth as far as who these kids were um, that 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 he had murdered, and they give you some backstory on them as well. So you see that they weren't just somebody who was – you know, kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, well, I mean, they were, but you see that it's there's more to their story than, like, boy, I don't want to, I don't want to put it this way, but it's like there are those who will say, well, the 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 way that their behaviors were, they were like asking for it. God forbid, you know what I mean? And and so you know, you get to learn more about them. Um, uh, uh, the one deaf gentleman, I, that one, I think, was the most heart wrenching out of them all. You'll see what you're talking about. Oh, that was awful. That one was just absolutely horrible. But uh, uh, it, it, it just, it just, and you talk about makes no sense. Um, there was really no reason for what happened in that. Uh, and so, so yes, definitely we have to keep in mind. But, you know, we talk about since, since, since shit. Boy, I cannot say this word today. Sense. <laughs> Go ahead. You said you do it. Sensationalizing. Sensationalizing. <laughs> Sensational. I'm having a problem. I'm having a problem with the space bar. Yeah, I'm having a problem with the space bar. You're having a problem with one word. I, I you know, I, it's where you before even. I get on, I have to Sarah Giannopoulos. Sarah Giannopoulos. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. Sensationalizing. Uh, you know, I mean, we had how many seasons of Dexter out there? And oh, listen, yeah. I'm a huge fan of the show. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, he was a serial killer who preyed upon people who got away with murder so it's like yeah. you know how, how do you yeah uh, he actually yeah but but he he looked at it as as he was doing us a favor right. if to him he was justified in his actions again um, he was taught that he was telling he was he went by his 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 adopted father's code harry's code and uh who was a cop who got sick and tired of seeing people walk and so Harry taught him this code on all the things he had to do uh, in order to justify what he was doing. Really, it was just Dexter feeding a need, though. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it was. And yeah. He had his own ritual, which, to be honest with you, most of what I said here today, it's not that I read up on it. I just watched Dexter. All right. Yeah. Well, so uh, that's that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you watched Dexter. And uh, and Darmer. And Dom. So that, so that was your documentary. That's where you got all your notes. All your notes. That well, I also worked. I also worked in the county jail for about 13, 14 years, and I, I, I am not going to say that I that I've dealt with serial killers, yeah, but yeah. I had a lot of people who were in there uh, uh, for very bad things. So there's that. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> what uh, with boy, you talk about we went from a one eighty in the beginning of the show. To yeah. uh, one eighty here at the end of the show, Joe. What what is next week's show about for our listeners and viewers out there? Well, we alluded a little bit to what next week is going to be about: social media and how it could destroy our opportunities in the future, uh, as well as some of the impact I think it's really having not on just our generation but on the younger ones as well. Yeah, it's going to be a show. It's not just about how it can destroy it; it's about how it can help it as well. 
and in the different you know ways we go about this when it comes to a job interview, when it comes to a scholarship. I always tell my younger athletes, you can uh, dress up uh, in your Sunday's best on Facebook and you could talk about a charitable organization that you are involved with and, and how you're helping in, in so many ways with your community, uh, how you are an upstanding citizen and you know you could do all that on Facebook. And then only takes one comment after all that to take your scholarship away. And and so there has to be certain social media. There's so many different avenues we could take with that particular type of show. And I'm sure, Joe, we're going to do a show just you and I with this. But I can guarantee you that Dr. Nicole Rentilla has a million things that she could talk about in another episode where we talk about social media and, you know, different ways it affects us psychologically um, and and the good and the bad. That um, what comes with that. So that's basically what what next week's uh, episode is going to be about, in a nutshell. All right. Until then, I want to remind all of you: be sure to give us a rating or review on your favorite podcast service. Also, if you have any thoughts, comments, questions, or opinions, you can leave us a message via the link in this episode's description. And finally, remember to join us every Wednesday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for new episodes. Now, on behalf of myself, Coach Tony, and Dr. Nicole Rintella, thanks for listening. All right, everybody out there, be the best you. I hope you understand where we were going with this show today. So much interesting information. Dr. Nicole Rintella has always a fantastic guest. And once again, congratulations are in order for you and your fiance, Jeremy. And, uh... Uh, we wish you all the very best, and you definitely will be on the show before uh, that wedding, and then after that wedding. That's something Jeremy's going to have to. He's going to have to come <laughs> to terms right now for sure. Uh, he's going to have to allow two brothers one Mike into your lives at some point. Uh, so just make sure that he understands that. Uh. He'll understand. He's really great. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye.